Today's first two scripture lessons come from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, and Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. From Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. From Galatians, Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Our gospel reading for today is from the Gospel of John. Please stand in body or in spirit for the reading of the gospel. John chapter 15, verse 4. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself until it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be complete in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has a greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I choose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. The word of God for the people of God. Please be seated. Oh, I love the part where he says, you are no longer servants. Instead, you're my friends. And did you hear what she read? He said... You did not choose me. I chose you. Hold that thought. We'll come back to it. Hey, uh, before I had my surgery in uh, early December, there was a gentleman that came into the office. And uh, he was asking for help. And this was part of the pre-Christmas rush that was beginning to happen. And boy, I don't like to turn down anybody at Christmas time especially. But I've been at this for 45 years, and you'd think I'd have a little street smarts. And it sure seemed like he was being honest, and he had a real need. His wife was out in the car. It was not a fancy car. It was a car that would get him there. And he said they were just completely out of money, and um, and he needed a meal. And so I... You know, I uh, well, what can I do? Often, the missions committee has provided gift cards uh, for the staff to give in situations like that. 
uh, from our emergency fund, just like Maria was talking about. But uh, we didn't have any of those, COVID. We were all closed, and we really hadn't stocked up on them yet. And uh, so uh, all I had was $13 cash in my wallet. So I said, that's all I got. But here, you can have it, and uh, I hope it'll buy you a hamburger. And I said, but I want you to make me a promise. I want you to come back tomorrow. I said, could you use some Dylan's gift cards? Yes. I didn't tell him how much, but uh, he went on his way, promising to come back the next day. Well, I hobbled over to Dylan's, and uh, um, you purchased, through the emergency fund, two $50 gift cards. And uh, I brought them back to the church, and I had them ready for this gentleman. And he did come back the next day. And with a prayer and a smile on his face, he uh, was helped. Thanks be to God. Now, you know you did the right thing when you get a thank you note. This one came a few weeks later from the Hain family. We want to thank all of you for the help you gave us. People have hard times and good times, as long as the good times outweigh more than the bad. You'll be okay. Keep praying, having a good heart, pay things forward, and make sure you thank our Father Lord in heaven. Amen. Thank you for the thank you and for the wisdom that he shared as a grateful friend of Jesus. Wow, you did it. You did it. You were friends of Jesus at that time, and you helped someone in need. I'd rather help someone and find later it was a mistake than not help them and find it was Christ knocking at my door. Now, we see all kinds of people here. Just a couple weeks ago, I saw a fella on the street corner at... Uh, 21st in Mays, and there are people that stand out there quite a bit. But this guy, on this particular day, had a big sign. I couldn't read the sign because I was coming from a different direction, but he also had a megaphone. And so I rolled down my window so I could hear what he was shouting. And he said, repent, repent, America. America's sin caused covid I thought I was looking at Jonah all over again on the streets of Nineveh. Yeah, I know there's cause and effect. Things we do have an effect. Decisions we make can have some payback. Some people call it karma. Eh, I don't know. But I can say this, and I say this with full conviction. God did not zap the world with the lightning of COVID because of the sins of a group of people. The reverse is also true. God did not bless you because you said all the right words, you prayed all the right prayers, you attended the right church, and you wrote those big, generous checks. That's not what gets blessings. Several years back, when we lived at Great Bend, the tornado sirens sent us to the basement late one afternoon as it did to uh, everybody else in town. 
as we went to the basement and started praying, there was a huge tornado coming from the west, and it was headed directly for the city. Wouldn't you know, just before the city limits, it lifted back in the clouds, skirted over Great Bend before touching down again, and great devastation was avoided. The next day, in the local newspaper, the editor wrote an editorial saying that the hand of God must have been upon us. God spared us because of all those people praying in their basements, and that God sparing us was a sign that we are to witness to his providential care. Well, I was grateful, and I said, thank you, Lord, many times. But what about Greensburg? I know there were faithful Christian people in their basements, shaking in their boots and praying fervently, as a tornado ripped apart their town. Were not they also people who were faithful? And what about, and what about, we could make a list a mile long of faithful people who did not deserve the devastation they received. Do you expect that God will exempt you from evil just because you're faithful, generous, and a long-time member of the church? Did God swoop down and grab Jesus off of the cross? If anybody deserved to be rescued, it was him. I would like to submit to you that God is not a shark tank wheeler dealer in a transactional universe. God does not sit in the heavens and say, if you are bad, I will withhold my love God does not say, if you are good, then I'll buy you a fancy sports car and bless you. It's not a transaction. And so we come to the phrase that many have used. Some say Ben Franklin coined it, but it existed a lot longer than that. Jesus never said, God helps those who help themselves. Now, if it is in there, it's in the book of Delusions, chapter 3, verse 4. God helps those who remain faithful, put money in the plate, and help themselves. Those who do not put money in the plate, be cursed. How many times do we hear that anyway? It's even thought by some that this phrase is a part of the Ten Commandments. Like, thou shalt help thyself that God might help thee. Or one of the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who help themselves, for God shall help them prosper. That's called the prosperity gospel, and boy, we hear a lot of that. Or they think it's one of the fruits of the Spirit. From Galatians 5, those who live in harmony with the Spirit have love, joy, peace, and God's help. Not. It's not in any of those places. And in case it sailed right past you, the book of delusions is not in the Bible. But this concept does have its roots in the Old Testament. Theology that said, you obey God, God will bless you. You disobey God and God will curse you. I want you to know that this is not reflective 
of Jesus' life, of Jesus' teachings, of Jesus' miracles. Now hold that thought for just a moment. (laughs) I looked up Wikipedia, which is a good source for anybody who wants to find out the truth about everything. (laughs) Mm. I looked up God helps those who help themselves. And there's a whole page on that. Christian demographer and pollster George Barna did some studies uh, using the statement, the Bible teaches that God helps those who help themselves. And across a series of polls, 53% of Americans strongly agree, 22% agree. Wow. And then a poll he did in late 1990s showed that the majority, 81%, believe the concept is taught by the Bible and is one of their favorite Bible verses. And it sounds like somebody needs to get out the dust cloth, dust off their Bible. Okay. Much more often, God helps those who cannot help themselves, which is what grace is really all about. But I've got to have a little more fun. Can I have a little more fun? There are corollaries to this phrase, God helps those who help themselves. The first corollary is, if you help yourself, you will unlock the gates of heaven and God is obligated to bless you. A lot of people who think that way, that if I pray all the right prayers, attend all the services, put all the money in the plate, Number two, because I help myself, I am better than you. And how prevalent is this? We talk about white supremacy or Christian nationalism. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell slipped the other day. After a Senate defeated a voting rights bill, he said, if you look at the statistics, African-American voters are voting in just as high a percentage as Americans. Oops. I hope Mitch doesn't believe what he had said. I would like to think not. But we are not better than anyone else. Here's another one. If I am faithful to God, God will take care of me even if I don't lift a finger. I remember when I was in high school, that was back in the dark ages, and we were <clears throat> debating seatbelts in cars. And then later we would debate whether or not we should have airbags in cars. And there was a classic argument. I don't wear seatbelts. God will take care of me. And if it's my time to go, I'm going to die anyway. And so they don't wear their seatbelts. And people still do that today. And you get the same logic for vaccines, masks, helmets. I could go on. I have divine rights and exemptions because of my faithfulness and my obedience. One more corollary, which I won't expand on at all. If you don't do your part, then you can't expect God to help you. The error in all of these corollaries and the God helps those who help themselves is this. God is not a wheeler dealer 
in a transactional universe. Prayer is not a celestial shopping list. Serving and doing good is not chalking up points so that you can get into heaven and maybe have a higher place than others who get into heaven. God is not a dealer in a transactional universe. It reminded me of an old geezer. It's a story of an old geezer who was on his deathbed and he was in the hospital and, and he lay there dying. He was a rascal. Everybody in town knew him and he never attended church in his life. But on his deathbed, he called for the pastor of the church to come and sit with him and pray with him. And a pastor did go and prayed with him. And then the man said, Pastor, if I give $10,000 to your church, will I go to heaven? The pastor said, I don't know, but it sure is worth a try. (laughs) Okay, preacher, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? Here's the place that you've been holding your thoughts for. It's not about some definitive phrase Jesus used that is operative. It's about the whole of Jesus' life, the whole of Jesus' teachings, and the miracles he did. Jesus teaches that God's providential compassion, grace, and care is more often for those who cannot help themselves, the oppressed, the poor, the weak, which is what grace is all about, than it is about a transaction of some kind. And grace is more about mercy for those who don't deserve it than those who do. And he gave an excellent, excellent illustration recorded in Luke chapter 18 when he told about a Pharisee and a tax collector who went up together to the temple to pray. And the Pharisee stood apart and looked up quite proud in his broad phylacteries. And he said, oh God, I thank you. I'm not like other people. Thieves, extortionists, adulterers, or even this nasty tax collector. I give of all my tithes and offerings every week. Oh, stuff like that. He went on. But the tax collector, who was a, a hated person in those days, because they built people out of a lot of money, even put jail in and put people in jail when they couldn't pay. He didn't lift his head at all. And he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, now who do you think went home justified that day? The poor Pharisee had a hard time understanding that he was already a recipient of God's mercy and compassion. He thought he had to earn his way into heaven. He even thought he was somebody special because of his winsome attributes. And when the tax collector came, he had nothing to offer but the school of hard knocks, failures, and sin. And if anyone could do it, he was in need of someone willing to overlook his past. God's grace is like that, you know. It is. Grace is God's help as we face life and its difficulties. God coming to help us with the challenges we have, to have things a little more abundantly now 
but out of this world when heaven is our portion. Our connection to God, I submit to you, is more about our relationship than it is about a shopping list. And the Apostle Paul was one of the ones who found that out. He said he was the chief of Pharisees. He did all the Pharisaic things. He was a a leader of the Jews. And uh, you know what? When Jesus told his disciples in John 15, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Well, that happened to Paul. When Jesus chose him, Knocked him off his horse, it did. But it changed his life around so that he realized he didn't have to earn it anymore. He could relax and rejoice because God has it covered. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. No one owes it to you. You are not better than anyone else. Your church membership doesn't impress God. And as someone told me once, Pastor, remember your seminary credentials mean nothing in the court of heaven. What? I thought they would get me first place. All for naught, Pastor. Hate to break it to you. Well, how then, save for the grace of God, am I going to make it into heaven? Bingo. You just said it. It's all about what Christ did for you. He chose us. We belong to God. And we find it's not about what we do. It's about the fact that we are. It's about belonging. Belonging happens before we believe, before we change our behavior. It's why we baptize babies. I just learned of another one, Cynthia, today. We want to find a way to to, uh, affirm the families that have had babies during COVID and kind of get us all back on track and celebrating with them. But when a baby comes up here, we don't baptize a baby for the remission of sins. We baptize a baby because God has already claimed the child. God reaching out and saying, you belong to me. Come hang out with me. And when you hang out with me, guess what? You'll be able to do some wonderful things. Did you know last year, This church gave $110,000 to the conference mission and ministry funds, 100%. When many churches struggle to make it, we have been blessed. And we gave many more thousands above that in mission giving. We're able to bear fruit because we get to be a part of what God is choosing in this world. And so when Jesus says, come hang out with me, I am the vine, you are the branches. And with me, you'll be able to bear much fruit. You'll be able to do many good things. And it'll be fun. That's what it's all about. Now, I'm not condemning all of Old Testament theology. Because it wasn't all honor God and be blessed or don't honor God and be cursed. There are many other places throughout the Old Testament that talk about God's steadfast love and mercy. And one of those places was the text we read a moment ago, 
Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge God, and God will direct your life. Why? He chose you. He chose you. How good is that? Amen.